everyone, welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. I am Cammy Black and I'm joined by Ian Hay. Hello. And Brodie Smithers. Hello. Uh, we'll start with a bit of a public service announcement. Uh, after our flirtation with swearing, we've decided to go back to bleeping it out. Um, oh, I'm just realising that we've got Ian and Brodie on, so um, that's going to cause me a lot of work later on. Um, if you're listening to this, you already know that you can listen to us on Apple Podcast, Audio Boom, iTunes, um, iTunes, iTunes, iTunes. That's the iTunes. The iTunes. Um, I. That's Acast, that's it. Tune in uh, an Apple podcast. Uh, you can leave us a review there just like uh, Power Ranger 12345. I don't know what colour he is, if he's the green or the yellow one, but he said, uh, always a cracking listening uh, in the pod, so real views, and got a great surprise at the end of the pod when the Bishopton RFC President's interview on the BBC. We literally got everywhere when we were down there. Uh, if you go everywhere when you're down in Wales, uh, Power Ranger 12345, I would get tested. Uh, we were on the TV and the radio. No matter what happens, the fans will always follow, and that's why I keep coming back to the pod. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, and we also had a review from um, regular listener G. Love, Graham Love, who said, Contrary to the myth peddled by some former private school types from Edinburgh, there's more than one podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. Always a laugh and helps to lift the mood when Scotland inevitably let you down. Keep it up, chaps. So if you want to get in touch with us, leave a comment on the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, on Facebook, facebook.com slash scottishrugbyblog. We're on Twitter at scottrugbyblog. I'm at Cami Black. Uh, we've got a newfangled thing called email, not that anybody's actually emailed us yet, apart from to complain about the swearing, uh, which is podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, I don't know if that's going to catch on, but there we go. Uh, if, uh, we've got a bit to get through this week. Um, as I was laid up with Lurgy last week. Um, so we're putting two podcasts out, uh, this one and another one later on, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, but for the minute, we will crack straight on with this when I can get it working. Hang on. Ian, remember not to talk this time. Oh, see, I was about to say, can I just talk over this? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> it's a short one. It's fine. Let's All go. Right. Head, heart and arse. Yeah, we're going to start straight away with head, heart, and ass because I know uh, everybody's been on ten hooks waiting for us to cover the um, cover the France game. Uh, Scotland won thirty-two twenty-six. It seems like ages ago. Um, the game was single-handedly won by Greg Laidlaw. Um, Brody and Ian, you you were both arguably yeah, you were both there uh, covering the game for us. Um, Josh, what should we do? Do you want to start with head, heart, or ass first in terms of your your take on the game? Uh, let's do it in order, I think, chronologically. Okay. chronologically I was going to go then. reverse, but... Ah, right. no. we'll, we'll, finish, we'll finish with an arse. I've checked, by the way, arse is not swearing it. So, um, I'm going by BBC standards for pre-watershed, so arse is fine. Right. Um, but uh, your your head then, Ian, what's your, what's your head take on away from that France game? Well, you know, we can be uh, proud that, as opposed to the game in Cardiff, sorry, the debacle in Cardiff, uh, despite both going behind... We came back, actually got ourselves back into the game. Uh, obviously, there's some concerns over Finn Russell's contributions, um, but you know, it's a it's a win in the Six Nations. We got ourselves on the board, and that's what really you know matters in the end. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people um, out for Finn Russell blood on the comments. Um, do you think that's is is that an overreaction, Ian? Absolutely, um, because. There is no one else that can play 10, to be honest. Uh, people have said, you know, if you want a more controlling 10, you should go for Peter Horn, but I've never... I like Peter Horn, he's a good player, but I prefer him at inside centre. Uh, part of Scotland's major resurgence is due to Finn Russell. Uh, he's very important to the game plan, and you know he's had a couple of bad games, but he's due a good one. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like a proper badge holder of the Finn Russell fan club. So uh, I'm, I'm just waiting for him to, uh, to silence his critics, basically. And I'm very hopeful of it. Hopeful that this this week's going to be the week. Um, Brody, your head. Yeah, just to echo what Ian said, we got a win. You know, brilliant. We won. Superb. Um, and there was no injuries as well, which I thought was quite a good thing. And also, uh, we proved we do have something of a semblance of a plan B um, around how we play the game, which is um, was a relief, actually. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, I think a large part of that probably comes down to um, 
laid low at nine. Um, I watched it, but I, I, admittedly, I watched this game on the Monday after. I watched the game back on the Monday after it, um, and I, I was very feverish. I will stress, and I've not watched it since. But I, I don't think Greg Laidlaw's as slow as people think he is. I think no, it's an unfair. Uh, yeah, I, think I agree it's, with that. It, it, it's it's an unfair sort of impression I think that that's grown over the years and it's. Uh, I think it may have been accurate maybe three years ago, but I think he's definitely sped it up. Yeah, and, and I think that's. I mean, he's playing under a different coach at the time, so you you wonder how much of that's down to tactics rather than execution. Um, and what he does, I mean, what he does rather than prices, he varies the speed of attack. So I think there's nothing wrong with slowing it down because it draws in defense, particularly close to the try line, because it draws defenders in, which is what happened with the Maitland try. I mean, admittedly, at one point he nearly got swallowed up by the French defence, but he, he sort of recovered in the end. Um, but I, I, it's that sort of clear head, I think, that Scotland were missing against Wales, and it was quite... It was interesting to see him back, and what you wonder whether or not um, he'll start with Price, or do you think that's laid law back firmly in the nine shirt, Brody? Um, I think he's probably back in the nine shirt, to be honest. Um I just what you get with with um, Greg is that he's insanely brave, almost sort of stupidly brave, um, and he's very astute. And he's like a quarterback essentially. He'll he'll as you say he'll slow the game down, he'll speed it up, he'll kick, he'll um, you know he'll snipe little runs and whatever. And whereas Ali Price is more of an instinct player, you get a feeling that uh, Greg's got it's more about what's going on upstairs as opposed to in his chest, you know. Yeah, I mean, he he did quite well, I think, marshalling uh, Finn Russell. Um, Ian, do you think that's do you think, it's, do you think Finn Finn needs that sort of calming influence next to him? I think at maybe test stage he does. Um, you know, at the Pro 14 level, we can't go helter skelter. Uh, but you know, we're playing against bigger packs, uh, which is obviously an issue. So, uh, you know, the laid low influence I think is quite good for Finn. Uh, with regards to goal kicking as well, it takes a little bit of pressure off him. Um, but then we should maybe talk about the touch finders or the non-touch finders. <laughs> yeah, uh, shall we? I mean, what what what's going on there? Do you think that's? I mean, somebody, a couple of people today were saying that, that it, it, it's it, he's maybe being a bit nonchalant with it all, and it's a bit, he's a bit too laid back. Or do you think, like you were saying, he's just having an, an off couple of games and he's due a good one? Well, I think it's more. Um, he just seems to try and eke out every last inch. When he doesn't have to, uh, you know, a lot of time I've—it's not the first time I've seen him kick the ball uh, over the goal line, you know, rather than out the touch. I'm sure he did it for Glasgow in one of the games earlier this season as well, um, and he tries to get too much out of it. You know, you can only get the the uh, the sorry, I've completely forgotten the name of it. The line out, sorry, brain freeze there from five meters. You know, so you don't have to get it four, four inches to the to the flag. Um, and maybe, you know, if it's an issue of distance, give it over to Hogg. He's got that bit more power on him and he's not going to yeah. try and kick out every last inch. OK, Brody, let's let's have your heart then, Brody. What's your heart, your emotional reaction to that, that win? What I really liked was a few things I really liked. I really liked that Townsend was brave. You know, he put he hooked Finn Russell. He put Laidlaw at ten, much to Laidlaw's absolute terror and surprise. Um... <laughs> And, you know, it was a bold move. And, you know, we were sort of, myself, Gav, and Ian were in, on the press deck and we were sort of going, well, what's going on here? Okay, well, is, okay Pete Horn's in there for the defensive stuff. And, you know, it was, a, it was a kind of, it was quite a bold move at that stage of the game, but it was great and it paid off. And it was nice to see him make that gutsy decision. You know, whether it, whether it worked or not, it's good to see him make a gutsy decision like that and not just kind of stick with what he knows, if you like. Um, it's also great to see us still scoring tries. I mean, great. You know, we, we look like we can score tries at any point of the game. It's, it's, you never fully feel like there isn't going to be a moment where we, we light up the turf, you know, which is great. Absolutely brilliant. After years and years of us not looking like we were ever going to score a try, ever, um, we now look like something like where we could be quite prolific. And by the end of the game, the thing that really made me proud was the way the crowd had turned back on. Because at the start of Murrayfield, all you could hear was the French, and there was a real sort of tension and sort of, uh, you know, understandably depressed kind of atmosphere to the place. But by the end of it, it was rocking, and you, you know, you kind of really felt like if we can carry this into the England game, 
and um, that's going to set that up really nicely. Yeah, I mean, my heart I was 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 Grieg at ten, which just because it was so nostalgic um, of, of a time gone by, it felt like watching an old episode of Thundercats, or you know, when you go to a new Star Wars film and there's the opening troll and the, and the theme tune. That's that's how I felt when I saw Greg Greg back at, Grieg back at ten. Um, Ian, your your uh, your heart. Well, what was lovely to see was the fact that, um, as I said earlier, you know, we went down early, but we didn't let our heads drop. We actually got ourselves, fought ourselves back in the game because France, I think, were they were easily winning the collisions and the breakdown in the first half. You know, we didn't seem to be committing too many people. Um, and then, like Brody was saying earlier, not only to hook Finn Russell, but to hook John Barkley, who was not playing well, to be honest. Um, and then move Wilson to where he was and bring on uh, Denton, who... You know, added a real bit of thunder, uh, and then Wilson actually started to come more into the game. So it was, uh, you know, it's delightful to see us actually fronting up and winning a bit of collision again after being decimated by Wales. Yeah, I thought Wilson had a really good game actually. Um, I know we've been critical of him in the past, but he carried well and he he made his tackles. Um, it see, was I've interesting been... that. It... Oh, sorry, I've been in. I've been critical of him in the past as well. You know, obviously his indiscipline was a major issue. Um, you know, I was a Newcastle for the Samoa game where it looked like he was about to get a red card yeah. uh, but then from last season onwards he seems to have really knuckled down uh, I remember the monster game the uh, you know the whole standing leg uh, Connor Murray gate <laughs> uh, issue when there was stuff breaking out over that the, Lins, the monster players were actively trying to pick on Ryan Wilson and get him involved in fights and he was just like nah I'm not having it today lads he was just like you know he, was, he wasn't running away but he was standing his ground but just not going nah not today but he has yeah. like really improved that side of his game, and Rennie making him captain as well, I think, uh, is further evidence of that. So it's, it's nice to see he's knuckled down a bit. Yeah, Where's Batman like... more crayon, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the height. <laughs> yeah. No, he just, I mean, I think he had the tendency, I think, in Scotland games just to disappear, and, you know, he was always very, he's always consistent in a Glasgow shirt and very good, but you put him in a Scotland shirt and he would dis- unless it was someone like Italy you would just disappear for large portions of the game and it was hard to know what he was doing but he he was there he was making the hard yards he was making the hard tackles so I, and that's he's been doing that consistently for at least the last three games that he's played for Scotland I think I'd like to echo Tom Hanks in the uh, in the film Castaway and just basically say Wilson <laughs> Wilson I'm sorry Wilson <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, have we done? We've done. We've done. Your, uh, we've done your heart, haven't we, Brody? Um, my heart's weight. <laughs> yes. Go on then. Show us it. So I was a bit concerned that we started slowly again, um, yep. and we coughed up a lot of points before we actually got going. Um, obviously, the form issues with Barkley and Russell are a concern, and I just still think we look a bit vulnerable generally. Um, so they were my main sort of broad brushstroke concerns coming away. Yeah, I mean, I thought the intensity wasn't ne- it, against France. There was enough intensity, and I thought Gilchrist and Gray carried well and defended well. Um, but I think we're we're lacking, and I'm I'm going to swear, but so to, I'm causing work for myself here. But we we, we lack we're lacking any in the team at the minute. Sort of yeah. people who are going to go and get in someone's face and we're missing Xander Ferguson and his handbags that's what we're missing <laughs> feels like we need a bit of Xander's handbags um, and Richie Gray is, I mean, you know Richie Gray that, does that great thing where he gets involved and just grins at people but he it, it winds people up and we're just a bit nice at the minute and I don't I don't know where that sort of bit of dog's going to come from um, I mean a team a team is in the uh, whatever the what do they call it, reflection of the coach or um, and yeah. Tuni doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to stand there and, and get them really riled up for the game before they go charging out you know and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people on the team who are going to go around slapping people's faces and shouting at people and getting them all fired up so perhaps it's a bit more of a cerebral approach possibly but I think if you're going in against Maru Otoji who claps every single penalty um, and and is regularly pats people on the on the arse when they you know lose a turnover and then and and Mike Brown in the team as well then I don't know I think we need a bit we're going to need a bit of that against England and I, my, my worry is I don't know where it's coming from and we we're just a bit nice at the minute. 
Yeah. Yeah, I can't uh, see that, but uh, I suppose one, well, uh, Friday night, we saw the return of Tim Swinson. He's not afraid of a, yeah. bit, of a bit of a showdown. He's not. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if, if, if Swinson goes on the bench just with versatility. Um, yeah, being able to cover second row well, back yeah. yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting. I mean, yeah, you're right. Swinson's the sort, not the sort to back down, and that that could be interesting. Seeing him coming on and say the last twenty minutes or so and putting it about a bit. Um, Ian, your arse. Well, the arse is obviously the mighty fellows <laughs> and his favourite or fine touch. Um, and again, you know, conceding I mean, what we were ten 0 down after twelve minutes. Um, losing mm-hmm. too many of these tries, and we're not going to, you know, we can't concede that many tries to good teams like England. Um, or, you know, just the France team that are, you know, still a little bit in disarray with all the coaching changes. Um, so we, we kind of got out of jail there, uh, and we can't afford to ship that many points to other teams, apart from Italy. But, um, yeah. I think, yeah, because, I mean, essentially, I think you're going to, I mean, playing the way we do, I think if you're playing against a team like England or or even France, we're going to have to score 30-plus points. Yeah, because we can't trust our defence to hold out, which is, you know, even in the, the old days when we were you know, not scoring tries, we were able to dig out gritty wins against the likes of Australia and South Africa, who are miles ahead of us in the rankings, but now it's we're just a free-for-all. Um, and when it works, it's glorious and great. But if we don't hit our first up tackles, then we, we lose badly, like we did against Wales, England last year. Or, you know, Samoa. We, we lost a lot of points against Samoa, which shouldn't really happen. Yeah. Um, outside of um, Greg Laidlaw, man of the match, and the man who sings the <laughs> one for Scotland. Was he? Well, go on then. Are you. Are I you, uh, are you Did you? Yeah, I went for Gank Grilkus. Um, Laidlaw, apart from. Yes, he was good. Uh, you know, I'm glad to see him back. I have been critical of him in the past, but you know, he's 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 grown on me. And you know, apart from, the first kick was very difficult, but the rest of him, you would expect him to, to knock over. Um, and he did have a couple of little flaws as a scrum half. You know, not to denigrate him, but I thought Gilchrist made a, a great impact um, in the time he was on. How are you feeling about um, the return of Grant Gilchrist Brody? Because I know. Um... In the past, you have not perhaps uh, been his greatest fan. Um, the enforcer, Gilchrist. Yeah. Um, I thought he was excellent on uh, well, what was that, week past Saturday or whenever. Um, yeah, no, I thought he was really good actually, and I always like it sort of um, begrudgingly when I slag a player off and then they become uh, you know have a really good game and prove me wrong because it. it Feeds both my narcissistic sense of the uh, <laughs> fact that I think in some way they're listening to me. And also, it's a kind of, um, you know, it, it shows me yet again how little I know about rugby, which I will get on to later when we go through the Fantasy League teams. <laughs> um, on the blog, uh, iMac on the player ratings uh, said, for me, Bergen was outstanding, huge shift in the loose and in the set piece, but the key was in the critical 20 after half time and he carried again and again and again great return from the big man well done um, you, yeah I thought sorry did you read uh, Simon Bergen's interview today uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit overwhelmed when I played test rugby they, uh, they, they walk you into a stadium with a pipe band and stuff <laughs> I just couldn't get my head right <laughs> like, what are you on about <laughs> yep this, we'll come on to the meet in the interview as well. No, we'll we'll come on to um, to Simon Bergen's interview later on in the podcasting. <laughs> the next episode we're going to cover that interview in a little bit more detail. Um, that yeah, I, I, he had a good game. I thought that it was interesting though. Afterwards, so I think uh, the Twitter account, which is called Tier Two Rugby, which I think was initially set up to follow to rugby nations and promote them a bit but doesn't seem to do that anymore just had lots of photos of him on his knees in the scrum <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how, how well he did or how much was um, hiding from the referee and not being picked up by touch judges um, but yeah I thought he had a really good game I just again I, I hope it's not a one-off um, a bit like Ryan Wilson hope it's something you know I hope he's got the hang of international rugby now and understands that it involves lots of people watching you He, he played a lot of minutes for somebody who hasn't played since he uh, stood on um, 
uh, Brown's head in the uh, in the 1872 um, game, which was a good what six or seven weeks ago. Yep. Um, so you know, for him to put in, for any prop to put in a full 80 minutes at international level these days is commendable. But you know, especially when you're not played for a long time, it was good. Yeah, I mean, some of his scrummaging was a bit. You know, but he was up against the likes of Slimani and, uh, you know, they're just huge, these guys as well. So, you know, with that weight hinging on your neck, I don't blame him for slipping a few times and uh, getting a reset or two. But, yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah. Uh, any other co- are you, Either you picked up any comments following the France game at all on the blog? Uh, yeah, I've got one. But, uh, Ian, if you've got one, you can go first, mate. All right. Yeah. Um... It's, hang on, my tablet's just frozen as I'm trying to... Okay, do you want me to pitch in? Uh, yeah, better in for now. <laughs> okay, so mine's from Stu on the player ratings piece, which is um, FFS, Laidlaw, plays 10, 10 for 20 minutes and suddenly is better than the best 10 we've had since John Rutherford. Um, people need to go back and watch the last 20 minutes. Laidlaw was barely first receiver. He hardly played a traditional 10 role. And no matter how brave he might be, he's going to get run over in the 10 channel. Um, I thought that was quite a pragmatic review of what was going on. He wasn't a first receiver a lot. He certainly wasn't firing up in the defensive line. Um, he was very much playing a sort of protected 10 role. Um, I know I bring him up every single podcast, but it was the Dan Parks-esque kind of defensive role um, at 10. So, you know, all credit to him. But him as the answer at 10, no. It's interesting, though, because I suppose George Ford uh, in England, it's a similar thing. He's not the, he's not the biggest 10. So if, uh, if there is, you wonder whether or not that might still be a plan B this week, because if England are going to have to commit men to protect their 10, then... We're not losing anything out necessarily by switching to that later in the game if if Finn has another one of his episodes. Breakdowns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and 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 hog it hog at ten. People, a lot of people call him for that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Very good. No, no, no. WP Nell at ten. <laughs> John Welsh at ten. Um, yes. Ian, have you found? Is your lap your, your tablet uh, unfrozen? No, oh, I did, I, I, can I, I can I quickly tell you my John Welsh anecdotes as well? Yeah, go on. Well, so be good. In the Scotland program, it had um, a thing about the strongest players in the Scottish squad and, and the sort of mount they could lift and stuff. And uh, John Welsh can lift 180 kilos above his head. He can bench press 195 kilos, and he can squat 260 kilos. Which is all quite absurd, considering how he is at rugby. <laughs> <laughs> right, go on, Ian. Try not swear. Oh, all right, oh man, that's going to be difficult. Um, right, I didn't find the one I did because it was an I man one as well, but I found Wilsey, sir. He had a good comment. Uh, just when you watch the game without stress and emotion, uh, all the comments about Finn being dropped think they need to watch the game again. Um, yeah, because like, right, he had a couple. Of, he had a few bad kicks, more than a couple, but his passing was still very good. Um, so for the whole drop. Uh, drop and talk is nonsense. Uh, also, he said elsewhere, massive effort from Rambo, Berg, and Gilchrist, and I thought Horn was fantastic. Um, I, I agree with all of that, so that gets a thumbs up from you, Wilsey, sir. Very good. Yeah, uh, a lot of good chat on the blog. We may pick up some more of the comments uh, when we do our Calcutta Cup preview in the next episode. Um, either of you got anything else to add about the France game, or are we done? No, all done. Uh, I, I'm good. Although, do you mind if I quickly go for? <laughs> you do that. Well, I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ramble on for a bit, Ian. So off you go. Excellent. Cool. Back right, to. Okay. Right. Right. While Ian's off, uh, we're going to turn uh, our attention a little bit to the Calcutta Cup match. Uh, we've been fairly appalled with the coverage of Scottish rugby in some uh, national newspapers, uh, particularly in England, um, with a lot of journalists seemingly um, unaware of who some Scotland players are, who our best players are. Um, so we decided what we would do is we would, uh, rather than invite some English people on here who know something about rugby, we would ask three Englishmen who know nothing about rugby at all to preview the Calcutta Cup for us uh, from an English perspective because we figured they would make more sense than some of the stuff coming out of the papers down south. So this is Adam, James and Ross from Regional Indie Disco with their Calcutta Cup preview. 
Yeah, 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 let's go. Let's talk about rugby. Okay, well, we interrupt this broad this broadcast. Oh, as, that's uh, a good, good as, interruption, as, isn't it? As well, clearly we're English, so we can do what we like. We're going to come in on this, like, these... Um, well, we had to look up what Scotland was when we were asked to do this. I know, yeah. Um, which, from what I understood from my research, it's a bit like if the British Isles had a spare room yeah. um, where you just shut the door and all the mess. I watched the film Doomsday. Yeah? And uh, apparently it's very accurate. Yeah. I, I think Scotland, Scotland's, like, the... Um, it's not so much that... It's not so much that. I think it's just like, you know... You know, if you were to drop rubbish from a height and mm-hmm. it would like spread out over a distance, I think that's what Iceland thinks of it. <laughs> <laughs> do we need to introduce ourselves? Or no, I think we should just go Englishmen should already know like, who we are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's fine. I'm pretty uh, famous. Yeah. So what we need to do is, uh, so we were asked by the the, the Scottish rugby podcast. Is that what it's talk, called? I think that's what it's called. I right. think so. Because I had to look up most of what that, those words it? meant. Yeah. Like Scotland rugby and podcast. Um. So that I understand rugby's. Um, I think it's got dancing involved yeah. somehow. Um, but yeah, so I think in, in Scotland, rugby is the number one sport. And in England, it's, what would you say, like four or five? Fishing. Fishing. Yeah. So probably fishing's number two. Football's number one. No, I think fishing. Fishing number fishing, one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I, fishing, my headmaster at primary school told me that, so it might have changed. So do you think it's fishing, football, cricket, rugby league? Yeah. Bool. Bool, yeah. Um, <laughs> volleyball, beach volleyball, surfing, yeah. rugby union. Walking quite quickly. Buses. Buses. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Scotch. So this is uh, so this is about the rugby union. So apparently the um, the English team are going to play uh, Britain. Really, are going to play Scotland. Yeah. Um, who were I think the Britain A side. The kind of the ones that we can just back from. I, I think they're like a kind of ho- uh, hall of mirrors, Northern Ireland. Um, so we were asked to kind of it's give a little a, something called the Mumbai Cup. Think is it Mumbai? No, it's not called Mumbai these days. It's called Burma. Yeah, right. So for the Burmese Cup, right. So uh, it was just to give a little heads up for uh, well, a bit of an English perspective on on what you should expect. Oh, as as we like to say. The perspective. Yeah. yeah. On this, what's going to be a glorious day for English rugby? No, um, no. Well, I guess I don't. I don't even know if they bother putting it on the BBC anymore. There's probably. Repeating I Love Lucy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I think to be fair, that it's on BBC Three. Is it? Which you, except, B- except, for, except for viewers in Scotland. <laughs> well, B- BBC Three these days is on the web. You've got to have a man to kind of shout it down a cup. <laughs> There's no string, but yeah. there is there is just a cup. All it takes is a rogue sparrow and that whole broadcast's going to rye. Any bird. Um, so we'll start off. I think obviously um, they want our perspective on the teams. I think we've got a, particularly on the Scottish team, yeah. who I think they're kind of, um, I think they feel a little bit as if we're not really paying attention. I've got a number of insights about that Scottish team. Uh, but first of all, obviously we need to run through the English team. I mm-hmm. think a, 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 a team of heroes, a league yeah. of legends, Are we a league of their own. Team England or is um, that? No. Team GB. Yeah, Team GB. Gold. Pyong. Yeah. Pyong? Is it Pyong yet? No, it's not Pyongyang. That's a bad one. Where's uh, the Winter Olympics at? Uh, Pyongyang? Yeah. Yeah. Seoul. Seoul. Seoul's no. similar, isn't it? Seoul to Seoul are different. Entirely different. Is, it, is the Winter Olympics in 1988? Are they in PM Dawn? <laughs> Okay, so uh, England team, first up, I mean, he's an obvious one. He's a natural rugby player. He's got brilliant rugby legs. It's Les Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of uh, Les Ferdinand as a, as a pick to come out uh, as goalkeeper for the England rugby squad? Well, I think he, undoubtedly his uh, helicopter skills would be uh, are much needed because obviously that aerial presence um, means that f- ferrying that rugby yeah. from place to place, yeah. uh, superb. I mean, he's... Uh, up there with other famous helicopters, pilots like uh, Jeff Airwolf. Uh, what do you think of his stats, Ross? Are you a big fan of his height? I've always been impressed by his, uh, his full five foot eleven. Yeah? Yeah, always. Do you think it's tall enough or do you think he could work a bit harder? I think size is temporary but class is permanent. Is that five foot eleven metric or imperial? Uh, both. So, uh, it's classic Ferdinand. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean that's just the the way he works. Uh, following uh, Les Ferdinand, uh, playing in the position of the mother ruckus, we have uh, lactose tolerance, um, and he plays for the uh, Real Life Pirates Club. 
Uh, now, what can I say about this lad, Adam? He's definitely a, a top-class presence in the chuckball fights. Uh, he leaps like the cost of cigarettes in a city under siege. And he's got hands <laughs> as sticky as a daft lad with an ice cream. <laughs> Could that stickiness uh, be problematic in Scotch conditions? Oh, well, it yeah, does rain a lot, doesn't it? Where's the game being played? Is the game being played at, uh, at Twickenham at or is it at Glasgow? Sealand, isn't it? Sealand, yes. Yeah, is, it, is, is it Sealand or Sealand? <coughs> like Heidi Klum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so where is the game being played? Um, Telly? England? Yeah, it's, probably England, isn't it? Is it, is it? Well, it get a bigger crowd in England. It's Scotland v England, isn't it? So is it? Be. Scotland? Yeah. That's Ooh. up. That's up. That, yeah, that's right, okay. Belfast. Yeah, yeah. Belfast. Yeah, sounds like um, so, James, have you, your next your next pick for the team? Well, as you know, in uh, any game of uh, rugby, the, the most important uh, position in terms of control of the game is in the boat. So uh, we have uh, Sir Stephen Steve Redgrave. Yeah, he's uh, a, I mean, he's got a rich legacy. He's got a rich legacy. He's got rich legs. And he's also got very big arms and um, big rugby arms, big rugby arms. And I think certainly if there's uh, any place for oars on a rugby pitch, he will, he will bring them. <laughs> He'll stick it in. He'll so, stick it in. Certainly will stick it in. Uh, for me, the next one that I've got is a bit of a controversial not player. For, not for you, Adam. Well, for us. For us. For the, us. Next, this is, the, this next, team. the next Team GB player that we've got yeah. coming out from uh, Pyeongchang of South Korea is uh, Ray Wilson. Uh, used to play um, for a small underground team in Scotland, but following the uh, shock departure of Philip Collins from the England squad, um, Wilson came in, stepped in to take that place. He's been training with Rutherford and Banks. Uh, let's see if he can take it up to the big stage. A lot of people are hesitant to think perhaps it won't be as successful as uh, as Collins was. For a lot of people, though, Collins, people thought that Collins couldn't replace Gabriel. And, you know, look how that worked he out. He showed them, didn't he? Yeah, he did show them. So uh, so that's Ray, Ray Wilson. Um, I think he's I think he's brother... No, he's, he's, is he part of the Stilts family? He's certainly part of Stilts skin. The, the Stilts family. Stilts you, family. I Wilson. mean, what... My concern about Wilson is that um, he can be a little bit one-dimensional a player and there is always an expectation that the ball will be passed inside. Oh, just let that happen. That's, uh, that's a good joke. Uh, you could sell that to the radio if you want to call all stations. Uh, Captain and uh, the England team uh, in this game of rugby will be uh, Posho Deepen Daly, of course, uh, who is probably the standout player on the park, Adam. Uh, I mean, he's, he's been in excellent form for his club, London, no Irish, in the uh, <laughs> curb crawler position. Um, I mean, what can you say about this lad? He's got a, I mean, fundamentally, he's got a talent rarer than a healthy bowel movement at McDonald's. I've heard, though, there's been a lot of speculation that his legs are tired because he's been walking a lot. Do you think it's, it could his, his tired legs could affect his performance on Saturday or Sunday? Well, he does have the levitation power, so maybe not. So he could just float his way in. He could, he could just I mean, for free. I mean, that's how he operates. In the past, he has tried to use a skateboard. Yeah. I mean, that was ruled illegal. Yeah. But it was pretty radical. It was, yeah. yeah. But luckily enough, uh, Sir Steve Redgrave's oars aren't going to be illegal. Yeah. So watch out, Scotland. There's yeah, I mean, it, there. I mean, if you were to combine a, a skateboard and oars, you end up with some kind of a wacky street gondola, don't you? <laughs> Nobody needs to see that. You don't need to see that. Um, now, of course... Uh, Backing up Steve Redgrave is uh, that important uh, position, another really important position on the rugby field, which is uh, former business secretary. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, despite uh, recent kind of uh, health scares, uh, Sir Vince Cable uh, will hopefully take the He's not a real cable. He's not a real cable. He's but more fibre broadband, really, when you think about it. Lightning quick, yeah. like the broadband. That's his nickname, isn't it, broadband? Well, he did early in his career when he was uh, on kind of more hardened times trying to pass off a rope as cable. And uh, that, that's only going to last for so long. Yeah. But uh, especially he was just asking money for it, was he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was. So you were saying he tried to say that it was something much harder than it was, but in fact he was just pushing rope. Very much so. Uh, certainly trying to get that, uh, like getting that toothpaste back into the tube. It was. Um, so hopefully, uh, Sir Vince or uh, Vincent, as he's known to his friends after he's named after the uh, Don McLean song, uh, will. Uh, Bring some much-needed experience to what is obviously a, a very youthful England side. It is a youthful England side. Uh, so come, uh, coming in the middle, uh, I mean, obviously it's kind of, there's already the captain, but the vice captain, but really kind of in a lot of way, the, the cheerleader of the team is uh, a sense of dignity and decorum. It's a particularly English skill set. 
um, really embodied by um, this player. Um, it's a skill that only English people possess. I think everybody knows that. I think everybody else tries to have it, but they can't. And that's why this player doesn't even need a name, does it? Because doesn't need it a would name. be it's, undecorous it's, yeah, indeed, to reveal the name yeah. of this player. I mean, he's certainly done well, and and, and being uh, abstract is always a good skill in rugby, isn't it? It certainly is. Um, Extremely elusive. Phenomenal military record. Uh, coming in next in the uh, loose fly position, uh, we've got Rose West of uh, HMP XV. Uh, quite simply, she has the strength of a thousand tiny men, and she scores lots of tries, which are all worth five rugby points. Um, is is I mean, will she be affected by the uh, premature retirement of Fred? I don't think anything affects Rose West. Anything at all? <laughs> not, yeah. not Consistent, nerves, not pressure. No, you know, having to step up to international sport. I don't think it's going to be beyond that by any by any measure. The bearded butcher. Whether metric or imperial. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's certainly evidence that she can take all uh, setbacks in her stride. She can. Yeah. I mean, obviously, another hugely important uh, position on a rugby field is uh, snuggling yourself up against uh, the uh, rear end of another chap and really... Really enjoying it, and that's why England are uh, obviously going to field the legend of the position, Sir Mixalot, who uh, <laughs> is a uh, a huge fan of um, dog food, dog food, <laughs> and also the uh, economic policies of the former business secretary, Sir Vincent Cable, and that's why they make such a formidable partnership. They are. Um, and next up, uh, it's, a, it's a start for this player. Um, normally they've been on the on the bench, particularly in that last game uh, that was in France. They were on the bench, came on the second half, really turned the game for that. It's the Angel of Mons. <laughs> Quite a ethereal player, beautiful to look at. Um, just seems to float about the pitch. Wispy giving encouragement everywhere it goes, really turned the tide in that, uh, like I say, in that, in that French campaign. Um, really quite a player. A lot of people seem to doubt um, whether it exists, but really, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're choking up, if you're choking up ticks in the win column, you're all right in my team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, uh, I think that's fair practice actually. Uh, <clears throat> well, next Adam, uh, f- fresh from the uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants team, uh, we've got Derek Clapton. Playing the Argos role, uh, and I mean he's he's phase worldwide famous, Derek, isn't he? I mean he's uh, what a character. He's pure pure box office, Jim. It's like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey with a great deal more penetrator of play. And certainly we'll all be a uh, red roll with excitement at the uh, absolutely well once him coming uh, along once Derek's got his Dirk strapped on. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, he he'll naturally be uh, complimented in this hugely important position of rugby field by uh, Sir Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber Underwood, who uh, is most famous for uh, some of his uh, terrible views, which really help you on a rugby field. Um, a game of rugby. There's always respect for the referee, though. There is always respect for the referee, um, unless, of course, he's you know one of them. A cellist. Um, next, again, another controversial, another another player that, um, well, used to play for Wales, then had to give that up uh, as part of, due to a family fallout, it's Princess Diana. Mm. Um, very controversial player, but really loves loves rugby, loves the players, loves the game. And uh, she'll, she famously will take any ball off a length. Uh, the final role, uh, well, certainly that I've the final last player I've looked at is uh, England's vampire, which is uh, Phil de Landfill, and uh, he plays, of course, for the Oval Teens in the West Midlands. And um, <clears throat> what I particularly like about Phil de Landfill is the way that he treads that fine line on the right, like an ethno-nationalist, whilst at the same time completely stifling his opposition, like an over-reliance on identity politics. I think that uh, kind of incipient uh, racism is probably what makes rugby the game it is today it's just there isn't it there's just like a pattern of respectability but underneath it it's just posh lunk heads flinging themselves at each other to be applauded to be applauded by lawyers though yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and landlords yeah uh, I suppose bring to the end of this is uh, 
another hugely important position on a rugby field. It's, of course, that of uh, less famous cellist, and that's uh, <laughs> Sir Dr. Julian Lloyd Webber Underwood's CBE. Um, he will certainly be hoping to uh, step out the shadow of his uh, toad-faced brother uh, and perhaps be briefly as famous as other great rugby internationals like, I don't know, Nigel Kennedy. Right, so now we've got the Scotland team, uh, the boys Yay. in the boys oh, in blue, as I believe they're called. Just trying to bring a bit of balance. Just a bit of balance, yeah. yeah. Um, so first up, you've got uh, it's Derek, Colin, Ian, James, Jimmy Taggart. Um, following his death in 1994, Scotland have controversially chosen the non-canonical version of James Taggart. So that's, uh, I mean, he's well, it's his first time call-up. He's notoriously grumpy. Um, he's got a lot of names. Um he gets results. He drives a sensible car. Do you think this is the sort of man that you need on a on a Scottish rugby field representing Scotland? I think that's the kind of man you need on any rugby field. Yeah, yeah. I think you should be impressed. He's got a car. Yeah, and that he's still allowed to drive. Yeah, despite his drink problem. <coughs> uh, next up uh, at Headlock, uh, we have Armstrong Park, uh, big lad. He's got a neck like a bullfighter's waist. <laughs> Is that that's fairly sexual? Uh, I mean, think he, about it though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it. Don't think about it. It would be quite big, but not that big. Well, he's going to be ably, ably abetted by Fraser Hoyk, who's a hooker who plays for the uh, middle of the Epicurists, <laughs> who uh, drives the scrum forward like a blood clot of pure butter. Uh, now, of course, uh, coming up in, in position number four, um, I think that's kind of somewhere around the um, the ones that come that run in front of the ball with the brushes and scrub it. Yeah, that's um, it. it's Super Superintendent uh, Jack McVitie, aka the Biscuit. Um, he's again uh, quite a player. I th- again, I think he's dead. So it's a, crumbles it's, under it's, pressure. It's, Adam. Cr- crumbles. It's the uh, it's again it's the non canonical target version of uh, Sergeant McVitie. Superintendent McVitie. Um, yeah. But yeah, good player, got good rugby head. Um, might, again, might be undermined by the fact that he's a corpse. But maybe not in this Scotland team. Could, could well stand out. Yeah. Uh, next to him will be uh, Rally McTavish Townsend, um, playing in the Beaumont's peak position. Um, famously made the switch in the summer to the sporty cock team in southern France. Um, what I like about him, Adam, is he's just perfect for his role. He's aggressive and he's bullish. He didn't even give his kids any presents on Christmas. And he's also, aesthetically, he's, you know, not much to look at, but he's deceptively quick. He's kind of softly, softly, and then, like, you know, say, like Dr. Shipman, he could be murderous on the turn. Like, off milk. Yeah. Uh, Or a a mango. Oh. Oh, well. uh, Ably abetted by uh, a Callum Cammy White who's a second row place of the Berwick Traitors. Uh, there's been some controversy, of course, because he's not even Scottish <laughs> and whether he uh, has divided loyalties. And and some some critics have said that, of course, over the years, he has flip-flopped on his nationality like an epileptic salmon. Um, so next up, we've got uh, DCI Mike Jordan, a.k.a. the Frenchman's Gardener. Um, now, he was Taggart's assistant for quite a spell. I mean, obviously, there's no place in the squad for Jackie Reid. Shock, overlook that uh, that she wasn't in- involved, um, primarily because she didn't want to be. Jordan, though, uh, he's... Like she was given the option, though. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's thin, he's little, he's one of them kicky lads, you know, where they give him the ball and he goes, oh, I'll kick it. Yeah. Uh, he's one of them lads. Um, whether he's good at it or not, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other guy who's next done next to him, Finlay McBatter, he's also another kicky guy. Yeah. In the, uh, Do you think that's too many position. kicky guys? No, well, I think you need two because, you know, the ball does ping around a lot. One for each leg. One for each leg, one for each side. Because, you know, what the thing about these guys, particularly, you know, uh, Feckless Wanderers, uh, Finlay McBatter, is that he makes kicking an irregular ball as easy or look as easy as kicking like the regular shaped ball you might see in a more entertaining sport. Mm. I mean, they, they're going to be abetted by uh, Ollie Brune in a third kicky position, yeah. which is a, a controversial thing. I mean, it's, three kickies is is quite, dare I say, um, too many. Yeah. Was, what do you think though? If they get, I, if, I was going to say. Outrageous, but I didn't. If they all kicked it at the same time in some kind of like power ranges where they combined legs to have like one mega leg, I think they're hoping to line up perhaps uh, all bound together by perhaps a big kind of metal pole and spun round (laughs) until the uh, kicky thing, the ball flies off. I mean, 
Ollie Brune, of course, of the Aberdeen Calvinists, uh, it's been said that over uh, kicking skills, he has the kick like the first Iron Brew Alka Pop of the morning. <laughs> um, so next up, we've got, uh, controversially, it's uh, it's Ray Wilson. Uh, now, he did used to play for the Scottish underdogs and then made the transfer following uh, Philip Collins's departure, shock departure, and then trained under Banks and Rutherford. But a lot of people are saying he's actually going to play for both sides. That's good of him. He's going to make, he's gonna make a step back. What a team player. Really? I think that's really yeah, good. Got a lot really shows the kind of the idea of being a union as well, which I think is really... Yeah, really important to play that up. Yeah. I think. Yeah, particularly in a, in a sporting contest. Yeah. Um, GCHQ Williams, uh, Adam, of course, you remember him from last season. Um, fondly. Fondly, yeah. Plays for the uh, pronounced Bath team in Bath. And uh, again, I mean, he's he's a very... He's, he's quicksilver, Adam. He's... Um, what I like about him is the way that he peels off the scrum. It's like, you know, the skin from a attic dwelling leper's face. Also, he, I mean, he does have quite a temper on him. He's powerful but unstable. He's a bit like a kind of angry fat kid who's been tripped. <laughs> I mean, that kind of raw, that kind of raw aggression could probably be harnessed and maybe power a small generator to help the three kicky lads. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. Plus, yeah, I mean, GCHQ Williams, of course, brings a... Uh, Immense powers of surveillance. Do you think well, with so. the kicky legs though, they're putting all of the all of the eggs in three legs? Uh, maybe the, the the three kicky legs are putting the eggs in jeopardy. Yeah, maybe. I, don't kick sure. eggs. Yeah, I definitely don't kick eggs. Yeah, it's cruel and and unusual. It is. I mean, you're kicking too hard, a chicken might fly out. <laughs> and then uh, that chicken could probably line up for Scotland. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm baiting you. Don't even know who I am. I don't even give a <laughs> f- either. <laughs> Uh, I mean, as we draw to the kind of dregs of this team, I mean, some of the lesser Again, names... Again, towards the end now, we're kind of picking from rubbish, really, now. I mean... It's a bit like, the... you know, Kess, but like, probably bleaker, because it'll be in Scotland. Hmm. The, I mean, the Kestrel's already been punched to death at this point, hasn't yeah. it? Uh, we've got Duncan Eno, who's a controversial Brazilian import... Um, some doubts have been cast over whether he is actually Brazilian or, or on, where, his <laughs> on his provenance. On his provenance, and some have said uh, his position on the wing that uh, perhaps he's as fast as a national slide down the literacy league tables. <laughs> uh, so, well, uh, my uh, the last player from Scotland that I, that I cast my uh, viewer scans over is uh, Neil Oliver. He's uh, the host of Coast, with a reason to boast, the president of the National Trust of Scotland. He knows the most. University of Glasgow alumni. He studied archaeology. Fact to what he has, and he'll show you what he's got. Went on robot wars to fight Sir Killer a lot. Retrained as a journalist through a scheme. Now he works for the BBC. Lives in Scotland with his wife Trudy. But will he be good at rugby? That's uh, Neil Oliver from Coast. Oh, uh, he wants a very big fan. I mean, I can't even... He almost. once swam out to a lighthouse, so I think the England team will probably be a bit scared. Almost swam out. No, he did. Swam the whole way. What did he do that for? It's daft. To that. get the lighthouse? Yeah. He can't walk. Just to say that he'd. Oh, oh it was I've like touched, one of them where it's like, the lighthouse. Well, it's like it's like a lighthouse, but it's like you can't. It hasn't got a road that goes to it. No, oh, right, right. So it's like it's one of them. Like an offshore. It's like sea locked. Yeah. Well, the sea never like off to. Nope, no. nope. It's the only way to go because I think it was too wavy. So like, Did they have like, to swim out to build it. Then I think they used the boats, but it was too. Who built that lighthouse? It's too choppy. One of the must have been the engineer. Must the have been the engineer aliens built the lighthouse. I think so. Yeah. It seems logical. Yeah. What Portland Bill think about all this? I can't remember what Portland Bill is. I was going to say it. Given the, you know, was that Pacific Northeast? It's got to be at least eight hours behind us. So it's not like we can even ask somebody. They're probably asleep now. Yeah. No, in fact, that's Pacific Northwest, isn't it? Yeah, Northwest. Yeah. Probably be asleep now. Yeah, so that's, you're looking at 10 hours. Yeah, give or, give or take a continent. Yeah. The DM? Central Mountain Time. So, again, I mean, yeah, we are kind of uh, scraping the scraping the barrel here. Um, <laughs> in the tight home <laughs> I thought it's gone quite well. Yeah, no, yeah, dude. Uh, fresh from his uh, recent suspension. Yeah. Uh, while playing for the Lions of Montpellier, uh, Douglas Massandri. Um, I mean, what can you say? I don't know. He's, he's all right. He's got like decent sort of the, the kind of throwback accuracy you normally see most associated with Australian rock bands. What's he like on the bits where they throw the ball in from the throw in? 
Or the um, uh, oh, what are what were they called again? Chuggins. Is yeah, he good on that where the, where the lad picks Chuck up the other lads and then he throws yeah. them up and he like uh-huh. they throw them up and then he he doesn't do him. that. He doesn't do that. No, no. no. Um, Fair enough. I wouldn't do it either. No, I wouldn't do it either because either you're one of the ones who has to catch the ball uh-huh. and then you get thrown up in the air, or yeah. you're one of them who has to like throw another guy. What are you doing that for? Yeah, it's gymnastics. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's good. It's organised, isn't it? But you know, it's no fun without rules. Yeah. And there'd be no fun without William Billy Bills McWilliams Bills Bills, um, who plays for the Edinburgh Union-ish. Um, and he's perhaps most famous uh, for both being really tricky and being a, a hideous anti-Semite. So It's really tricky. <laughs> so uh, what, what we're predicting for the uh, the result on the day? Uh, I think rugby will be the winner. Th- oh, it's yeah. going to be an England win, isn't it? But that's as, what I said. As always. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, what, what we're talking about? Um, England versus. Sorry, I just saw Les Ferdinand again. I was thinking, hell, yeah, that would be an, that would be an amazing password for an email address. When, like, I used to watch Les Ferdinand play that. Um, so, entertaining game. So next up, it's uh, the entire the director's cut of uh, Terminator Two Judgment Day, except for viewers in Scotland, where it's a new docudrama, Daddy Don't Drink That at Breakfast. Uh, so thank you to Adam, James and Ross for that. Uh, you can check out their podcast on Apple Podcasts and the usual places. Uh, they pick a year uh, every sort of uh, few episodes and they choose the best, less well-known albums from that year and chat about them over a few episodes. It's quite funny, uh, as well as being informative. I've brought quite a few albums off the back of their podcast. Um, for the minute, that's it for this episode. Uh, we'll be back later in the week with Where's Doogie Donnelly? Uh, look at the Glasgow and Embers recent run of form uh, and I'll look ahead to this weekend's Cattle Cutter Cup. Uh, hopefully by then Ian will be back from the toilet. But for now, it's bye from me and bye from Brody. Goodbye.